Welcome to Game of Books with Kathy in South Dakota. That's me. And Christy in South Florida. That's me. We're two newbie writers sharing our take on wine, food, and mystery books. And the authors who write them. Join us for the fun. Hey, Kathy and all you mysterious foodies. It's October and there is some weird weather out there. I know down here, I know, it's been so weird. It's been, we've had record heat in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, 90s and humid. It feels like middle of the summer, really, really hot. So how's it been in South Dakota? That sounds kind of awful. Um, It's been all over the place. (laughs) It's been all over the place. It's sweaty. Just put it that way. It's a sweaty October. (laughs) We're we're having kind of all over. We had a a little uh, snow last weekend while you and I were in Atlanta. And then then it just got beautiful. This last weekend Mm -hmm. was absolutely gorgeous and picture perfect. And now the last two days have been like super high winds, like 40, 35 mile hour winds and rain. It's just been crazy. Yeah, so there's lots of leaves on the ground. Lots of beautiful leaves that are no longer on the trees, unfortunately. I know. Anyway, probably a good time to be inside and read or have a book club. Yes, that's a great idea. Here we are. (laughs) So today we are doing, yes, today we are doing John Samford's latest book in the Prey series, Neon Prey. Um, Mm -hmm. It was really exciting to see him at thriller fest last summer he was the thriller master this year yeah that was really cool and um and next week actually we're going to do some corks and conversations with some of the authors that were at thriller fest kind of a compilation of many interviews so i'm excited for that you know that was really fun it was um it was long enough ago that i'm really excited to listen to the interviews again because i've forgotten um, yeah <laughs> and you know i mean I, it I was think, pretty chaotic it, it was chaotic it was, it was a lot of fun but it was like woo we did a lot we did a lot of interviews in a row so we did and so um anyway i'm also very excited to hear about today's food and wine pairing what have you got for us okay well today we have the carnivore zinfandel and i got to tell you this is the perfect wine it was the perfect, <laughs> perfect wine. And part of the reason is because, well, let me just read you the description on the website. It says, okay, I'm going to carniv- take a drink. Okay, you do that. <laughs> At Carnivore, we love big, bold wines, and we also love smooth finish. Okay, so that's probably what we've got. And then it, and then it goes on and on, and it says, savor this feast for the glass with the juicy feast at your table, which matches what I'm planning on doing for food. Carnivore is perfect with red meat and provides a captivating compliment to any cut. And tonight, oh I know. And tonight, add a little predator to your prey. Meat oh my. is made for carnivore. Can you believe that? They actually said that on their website. I'm like going, this has to this be perfect. This is the perfect mix. <laughs> if, if, and so okay, so if, if people have um, read this book already, um, they'll understand. Yeah, but if not... Yes. You need to get a bottle of this I am gonna, yeah, for I'm when you drink you. or read this book. Yes. Yeah. yes. It's, it's good sipping while you're reading or at the book club with um, the food that I've chosen mm. um, to go with it. But this, let me let me have a sip because I haven't yeah. been able to t- taste it yet. Mm. Hmm. Yum. 
That is really good. I really like Zinfandels. I really do. I do too. And this is a bold, I mean, right away, it's a lot of flavor when you mm-hmm. take that first drink, but then it's just like smooth. It's really nice. Yep. Layered, I it like says layered notes of dark cherry, blackberry jam, and perfectly toasted oak. It really, I really, we, I do. I'm enjoying this. And it goes with the food because we can't forget some food. And no. Actually, the um, a recipe for what I chose, which is tenderloin, um, <laughs> is is on uh, on the carnivore website. They actually have it, and they say impress oh. your guests with this center cut roast meat for groups. So it's like perfect because you can make it. It's really easy to make. You can like slice it up. You could have it like with salad or you could put it on little rolls, you know, and have it with the carnivore Zinfandel. And, um, and, you know, I mean, it goes well with the book because literally (laughs) on the second page, (laughs) on the second page, the one of the characters, which is one of the, you know, gross bad guys because he smells and everything and he's a murderer. So anyway, like a lot of Southerners, he, Deese, is big on barbecue and he, he wants it done right. So he <laughs> brushes the meat lightly on both sides with extra virgin olive oil, seasoned with kosher salt from the Louisiana salt mines and coarse black pepper. I mean, he's he's a stickler. He added a sprinkling of filet, <laughs> <laughs> a powder made of ground sassafras leaves and mostly used with gumbo, which I have used and it's good. But it works on barbecue too. And it's cooked. And then he cooks the steaks over peach charcoal brought by the Georgia Peckerwood to the Red Stick Farmer's Market in Baton Rouge. So this is all in Louisiana. So, you know, we know there's a lot of good food in Louisiana. And this guy, he particularly likes to cook these tenderloins on the grill, barbecue them. Occasionally he might have a fresh liver that he'll cook. (laughs) Yes. So, (laughs) well, it turns out we find out about 10 pages later that... um, Deese has eaten his his human victims, so he's a cannibal. <laughs> so there it is. That's it. Christy just let it so out. So there it is. it is. Well, I mean, you find out on page 10 or something like yeah. that, ten, page 15. No, no. So, I mean, it's probably even in the description <laughs> of the book, like the cannibal guy. When uh, That doesn't tell you everything except for, hello, he's a cannibal. He's eating. <laughs> and... And so I was like, okay, I'm going to have to research cannibals a little because, I mean, if we're having beef. Because... <laughs> oh, my God, you're just enjoying this. Probably a little too much. I'm just thinking maybe a little too much enjoyment. Well, well, listen, I mean, one time I did go on, I, I went on a trip to um, Tahiti one time. And um, mm-hmm. actually a couple times, but <laughs> that's another story. But um, <laughs> it was lovely, lovely place to go. And I remember on, uh, I think it was on Morea, one of the islands or Bora Bora, I think Morea. Anyway, I went on a tour that was put on by this archaeology anthropology guy that just knew everything about the history of the people that mm. lived there. And and so he did touch on the fact that, you know, in those that area, like Fiji, New Zealand, all around there, there was a lot of cannibalism <laughs> in the olden days. I mean, you'd hear about it, like, you know, people on their ships, you know, they'd get eaten, <laughs> things like that. 
And so, but he talked about it for in that particular case that, it, you know, there's, there's different reasons for people to be cannibals. But in this case, they would eat just parts of their recently passed um, family members to kind of, it's like a ritual to have oh, them live my. on, you know. Okay. So it would be like mm-hmm. maybe eat their liver or something, you know, probably didn't hurt, you know, that high in nutrients or whatever but but they weren't necessarily going around getting strangers (laughs) off the boat (laughs) you know i'm sorry another story whenever you mention eating someone's liver all i can think about is fava (laughs) beans and a nice chianti i know right I mean, I know, I'm thinking so, everyone who listens is, is getting that reference, I presume. I know, I know. And it, and it's funny, too, because then in my research, I'm like going, well, I wonder if they talk about, like, how to cook humans, you know, because maybe I should use that recipe. <laughs> okay. Again, you're you- making a beef tenderloin from a cow. Is that I correct? Am, I am. Okay. But, you know. I just wanted to clarify. I don't know who's looking at my my search (laughs) engine, you know, my Google search. Hopefully I'm not red flagged (laughs) anywhere, but, but I did find, I don't know if you've heard of this play, this site called the Encyclopedia. No, I have not. Yeah. It's a website that parodies Wikipedia. Like its logo is a hollow puzzle potato instead of the globe puzzle logo and it and it says they're content free encyclopedia instead of just the free encyclopedia so it's all ridiculous <laughs> and it's really funny and so they had a whole whole you know page on how to cook a human i mean oh, like my. yeah so so it's like here's an example okay. like the tomato which once was thought to be poisonous human flesh is actually a very healthy alternative to the hormone injected meat you find at your lo- local supermarket and oh eating a person gosh. is not a soul-crushing sin like some conservative religions want you to believe the fact is that human flesh is both flavorful and full of the essential nutrition okay. our body needs <laughs> I think we may have just lost every listener out there who is listening. Come back. It's, a come total, back. it's totally untrue. Untrue. Because then, they, you know, then they go into, like, how do you pick the right human, you know, age? You want them, like, you know, I don't know, 13 to 16. And, and then it talks about, like, you know, commercialized Those are years anyway. human. <laughs> Yeah. But it was it is really funny. We we'll, we'll have to put oh. the a link on that because you know yeah I mean some some of the like little ads are even funny you know and because they were so I've ridiculous never heard of that they're site. just yeah that so sounds ridiculous. crazy yeah hmm. yeah I'll have to so check anyway, it out that that's you know that's fodder for discussion at a book club while you're eating oh some for sure beef tenderloin for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my and drinking some carnivore which i imagine would probably go well with human flesh as well well i'm sure glad i could find this wine in, in south dakota so we could have this because it is perfect. i know i know, the, I know and it is really good we need to do more zinfandels this is yummy Now that we have our food and wine, it's time to talk about the book. So we are, yes, so excited. We are reading um, John Sanford's 29th Lucas Davenport installment, Neon Prey. Wow. I didn't realize it was 29. I don't know how many I've read of these, but a lot of them. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have two. And then he has another series as well. And so he um, he writes two, he publishes two books a year. Oh, my gosh. And he's been doing it for years. I mean, for years. Wow. Um, so John Sanford, a little bit about him quick. Um, I'm a longtime fan of his. He's kind of a local writer for me because he's from the Twin Cities. And that's only a few oh, hours yeah. away. And that's where I was born originally. And we used to live there. So, um, And it's actually a pseudonym, John Sanford, for John um, uh, Camp who um, has lived in Minnesota for years and years. He now lives in New Mexico. Um, but he was actually a reporter, a newspaper reporter, um, at the St. Paul Pioneer Press for many, many years before he started writing. And Wait a um, minute. So, like, so like, his real yeah. name is John Camp or John Sanford? Uh-huh. John Camp. John Roswell oh. Camp. Oh. John Sanford is a pseudonym, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's so interesting about a pseudonym, um, not to get terribly off topic, but, you know, I mean, like, he's John Sanford at writers' conferences, and, I mean, in all our, all parts of his life. I think that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. But it does allow you a little bit of privacy, I imagine, so, which he probably needs to get all that work done, because he's got two right. series. Um, and he's probably not even going out in public. He's just home writing every day. <laughs> right, just <laughs> constantly <laughs> writing. Um, so this is the Lucas Davenport um series in the Empire, but he has also another series that's um the main character is Virgil Flowers. I'm sure people have read those as well. Yep. Um so Neon Prey um involves Clayton Deese, who initially looks like kind of a small time, low level um uh I guess muscle for a loan shark. And um the US Marshals get called out to investigate him and Lucas Davenport is now working for the US Marshals and so that's how he gets involved and so he ends up down in um Louisiana and they're digging out behind this guy's house and they find a whole bunch of graves and they realize they've got a serial killer on their hands and so they've kind of got two conflicting problems going on and it just gets wilder and wilder and, and as you can tell from the cover it ends up in Las Vegas and so, um, oh, yeah, yeah, which is great. So anyway, mm-hmm. so here's what I want to talk about with the book is his settings and his location, because John mm-hmm. Sanford is known for um, really going deep and researching his settings. Like he goes to every location and checks it out as if it was like a movie, a movie shot. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Yeah. He, he scouts locations, he says. Um and he describes um, when he used to – he used to live in Florida, actually. So this is funny. This is a good combination for us because we got Florida <laughs> and my neighborhood. Right. And when he – right? And when he – he was a newspaper reporter in uh, Miami at the Miami Herald before he came to St. Paul to be a reporter and then became a writer. How can and somebody do that many things in their life and still be alive? And be I very mean, successful, by the way. I know. It's still be alive. Like, oh like, like well, I mean, come on. <laughs> it's like, how old do you have to be to be able to be first, a, you know, a reporter and then write 30 books? You know, it's like. Well, I think, you know, he, he made the transition. More. He must write more than know, 30 books. Probably in his yeah. 40s, I'm guessing. Yeah. So anyway, when he was at the Miami Herald, he said he was reading a thriller. You'll love this. In which the hero... Um, was cast adrift off the Miami coast. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from an interview, by the way, in therealbookspy.com. Have you ever heard of that book review? No. Uh-uh. Oh, it's really that sounds good. sounds interesting. And, 
Yeah, and the the book spy did a um, interview with John Sanford, so I will put the link on our um, web our website for that too. But cool. he's so he's reading this thriller that takes place in Miami, and um, you know when the sun came up, this um, main character saw a line of hills and he didn't know or he knew then because of the hills which direction to paddle or swim and john sanford's like look here's the problem there's no hills in miami none it's flat like south dakota (laughs) and so he said just yeah he stopped reading he was like that just ruined it for me i couldn't Mm -hmm. you know i couldn't do it so he said if you set a crime scene somewhere you better go look at it it's kind of his rule right so i said you know what now we have trash mountains Oh, really? Yeah. That's what we call them, trash oh. mountains. You know, they're big we, mounds. Like a, a landfill, and then they're going to cover it like up Like a something? hill, yeah. Like it's the, wow. the trash, so they just pile it, pile it, pile it, and cover it with, you know, earth. And You know what? We, and we, we have actually a beautiful, we have a beautiful nature park in Brookings from that exact thing, from an old landfill. Oh, really? And it's, yeah, it's quite lovely. Um, <laughs> so anyway, here's what I love is, so he, you know, he's talking about... Um, in this interview, um, the shift in crimes when he was a reporter from like noticing what kind of crimes they had in Florida to when he Mm -hmm. moved to Minnesota to be a reporter. And this is what he said. And I just thought it was hilarious. He said the kind of crime they had down in Florida was this trashy, weird, bizarre, crazy stuff that was usually done out of stupidity and general (laughs) venality and greed. That's what he said about Florida. (laughs) Right. <laughs> That's when he was a reporter. And then he says the Twin Cities and Minnesota in general didn't have that kind of random trashy crime as much, but they had a lot of crimes that were really dark and seemed to be the thing that got hatched over a long, cold winter. <laughs> oh, I just wow. thought That's so that was, funny. Isn't that a funny? So apparently we're a little bit darker up here and, and a little bit um, stupid and trashy, apparently, down in Florida, our crimes. I, yeah. I just thought that was hilarious. But I thought it was funny that he could characterize crimes in both of our neighborhoods. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I know. But yeah. anyway, so what did you think about the setting in this book? I mean, first we've got the rural Louisiana and then Las Vegas. I, I, you know, I like the, you know, Louisiana setting this because it's similar to Florida, you know, the swampy, the flat, you know, Um, so I do like that setting. And that's interesting that he must have gone there to get it straight. And as far as Las Vegas is concerned, well, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So um, (laughs) maybe we should just, (laughs) we need to probably explore Vegas a little bit. (laughs) Well, and I thought, you know, that what he did such a good job of describing, you know, just the crowds in Vegas, like in a couple different scenes, like just this, you know, slew of people and the crime and the corruption. I just thought mm-hmm. that he just kind of nailed that setting. I mean, it, it was really interesting. And, yep. you, you know, when he talked about the rural Louisiana thing, I wasn't as much of a fan because some of my least favorite images are snakes let's just say it. i don't like snakes and he kept talking about the snakes at that weird graveyard and i was like this is gonna be hard for me to get through but it probably didn't bother you at all no <laughs> no well it's i don't look at it all the same way i mean yeah maybe i don't want to see a bunch you know like bodies and things but i have spent <laughs> a lot of time out in like swampy areas so it's not uh 
an unusual I don't know I should I should stop talking while I'm ahead I'm thinking because if somebody looked <laughs> at my like done. search engine and then here I'm like I spend a lot of time in the swamps <laughs> okay we're good let's yeah. move on writer's, writer's perspective. perspective All right, so this week we want to talk about tips or techniques in writing a mystery series. John Sanford is what you could call an expert on this, and he could probably tell us a lot about the subject, and he is a great teacher and speaker. We both know that. Yes, yes. Would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice if we had him on a podcast? It'd be great. I don't think he has time for it. Well, now he's writing two books a year. (laughs) I know, I know. If he was still down here, maybe, you know, we could... I don't know. But anyway, since um, we're newbie writers and we need all the guidance we can get, um, I I know, Kathy, that you're outlining your second book and what you consider, consider a series based on your first book, Repent. Um, so I thought, well, this is a pretty timely discussion. I mean, we've got, you know, John Sanford and his expertise in, in series. So I was like, well, maybe we should explore it a little to see if we're doing it right. <laughs> right for sure mm-hmm. and that's perfect for both of us because we both can see a series coming from um these characters and um obviously we're not done with them so that's that's the great right. thing we want we want them to live on yeah and i think in researching what to talk about in the writer's perspective we found an article by camille Menachino. she's a writer i think in california we'll put the her website or the link to this article where she talks about the 10 tips if you want to write a mystery series and, um, I, you know, I, I thought, I thought it was really kind of fun to read over it. And the first one was the one that, you know, we're just talking about right now. You, you mm-hmm. want to pick your pro- protagonist wisely because you want somebody that can, you can come back to again and again. Yeah. I'm not sure I thought about that ahead of time. Well, I guess I, I kind of did because I was thinking about, you know, what the character arcs that my character's arc was going to be in this first book, you know, what we're hoping to see from her growth. And right. And now I can kind of see where she needs to go in the next book. And, you know, so she's complex. And I, I think you, you have two good reasons that you can make your character into a series because of her age, for one thing. I mean, that, right. Then that, that and that's why so it kind of, you know, you, you just automatically want to know where she's going to go in right. her life because she made it, through this obstacle now what's the next step and so that's where I can go with it and I I do think with your um, main character so interesting such an interesting you know history that you can draw from all areas of it and she could go a bunch of different ways yeah depending on where life takes her so that's yeah that's cool too yeah I, I I think so too um and, you know, it's interesting because one of her tips was um, about marking uh, your calendar, you know, mm-hmm. so you you want you can decide if you're going to age your character or not. You know, when when's the oh, next right. episode going to occur? And for me, it's going to occur like three weeks after this first one does. That's where my second book, which is called Fester, it will take off. Right. But yours, what do you think? Do you think it would be some time? Well, mine is, is going to be, um, uh, mine was more like... Um, uh, let's see. 
About four months, four or five months. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah. another one of her tips is, this is hilarious, I thought, for for John Sanford's um, skill set. Uh, tip number nine is that you need to kill creatively. She says, beware that readers of series like to be surprised, but not too much. So you want to be creative with your villains and your weapons. And I just thought, well, he pretty much nailed that doing the cannibal. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he even said, and in the same um, interview with uh, The Real Book Spy, um, he said, it occurred to me that I had never done a cannibal, maybe because Hannibal Lecter's shadow falls on them. But then I decided, mm-hmm. what the hell, I'm just going to do one. And so I decided to find a credible person to embed the cannibal in. Instead of making him a complete nutso like Lecter, I decided mm-hmm. to make him a barbecue aficionado. <laughs> He said, he's not eating people because he's crazy. He's eating them because they're available high-quality meat, Christy, which is very similar to what you said earlier. <laughs> that goes perfectly <laughs> with the website, yeah. Isn't oh that great? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Again, oh I'll put gosh. the link up to that interview. It's a really good interview. Well, it's interesting, too, because when I was researching, I did notice that there were um, some, you know, the, some of the people, they ha- there was a website that had like seven cannibals on there that described what human flesh tastes like. And so it was like true life, supposedly, you know, like this guy was a serial killer. This guy was just a total whack job. One guy like ate his own hip meat because he had a hip replacement and asked for the bone and uh, I was like that was that was a fir- somebody over and I don't know far from here because <laughs> I was like what but, but they were just you know they want some of them just wanted to taste it they just wanted to taste it you know, <laughs> I wasn't think like... it's time to move on <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I have anything great to contribute to this right now <laughs> <laughs> I know that's oh really funny. I'm making a steak tonight for sure, but it's <laughs> not. It, <laughs> I'm making pizza, and that's already been ruined for me a few episodes ago. So okay, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm really sorry. I kind of go to the dark <laughs> side of the food. Well, Christy, I love today's discussions. Kind of. <laughs> just, I'm just saying, kind of. But I will say, I really do like this bottle of wine. What do you think? Yes, I do too. I think, you know, I think Zinfandel is going to be on the top of my list. And I do like this carnivore one. So maybe I'll, you know, try some others and see if it's the Zinfandel or the carnivore. But it's really good. And it it was only, what, 11 or 12, $12? Yeah. So, okay, Kathy, I know this is the time I made us hold ourselves accountable. <laughs> yeah, this was your idea. I'm just saying. <laughs> And I can tell I'm already regretting it (laughs) because I haven't had any time for real writing. I mean, podcast scripts and working on the design because we went to that great, great conference. She podcast. We went to the, yeah, she she podcast live. Yeah, there you go. And it was great. Yes. I mean, it was great that we got to see each other. We got to podcast together. We got to learn all this crazy stuff and all, you know, I mean, more more than we can ever implement, I'm sure. You know, it's like amazing what's out there. But um, but I, we are trying to do some of it. So I've been focusing on that because I want to get it all done before November yeah. because I want to do some NaNoWriMo writing. NaNoWriMo. 
Are you going to try? Are you going to try a little bit? I mean, I think it's, if we have that goal, you know, it might, might be more than usual, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) That's my whole accountability thing, Kathy. No, I like the accountability and I think it's great, especially if you're ready to rock and roll on November November 1st. And I love Mm -hmm. that you're getting so much work done on the podcast and thank you for that. Um, Oh yeah, absolutely. But I... Yeah, so I um I, I want to get a lot of writing done in November, but I'm not sure that I'm necessarily going to fit it within the NaNoWriMo construct. I guess mm-hmm. at this point, but it's a good goal. I, I just want the... I just want to read your your first one. Yeah, so um actually I'm going to read it all tomorrow. I I just <gasps> printed it off today, and you know I've been doing I've been doing lots of revisions like chunks and kind of jumping all over the place. And uh-huh. so it's time to go back and read it as a whole and read it right. out loud. And, you know, so I'm going to try after a meeting tomorrow morning, I'm going to try to take as much of the day as I can to get that done. So we'll see. Um, awesome. Yeah. And then go from there. So. Oh, good. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> so that's very good. You have been, you've been a little bit better than me and staying the course and you know, you're you're an organized person, and I'm I'm impressed by you. So I'm going to try to. <laughs> you're you're being entirely too kind, but thank you. Yes, no, I'm very no, very I'm organized. <laughs> anyway, okay. anyway, so we've got our goals, and we're busy still in October. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to homecoming at college next weekend. Oh, that's gonna be so fun. I know. See some that's coming right mates and stuff. So yeah, and then Halloween, and then. Then I'm really going to focus. I just feel like it. That sounds great. Yep. And um, don't forget that next week we're going to have our part one of our Corks and Conversation at Thriller Fest. So I hope everybody listens. It'll be so good. There's so many good authors we talk to. Oh, we talked to, how many authors have we talked to? Eleven. Eleven authors. And they were all over the gamut from types of authors and types of thriller writing that they did and it was mm-hmm. very exciting in newbie yes. writers to people really really experienced and who have done this a lot it was really wonderful i think i think everyone's really gonna like it and i think you're yep. probably gonna be introduced to some writers that you may not have um, known up to this point yeah so that'll be exciting yes it will all right so i guess we should say cheers cheers thanks to our mysterious foodies out there for listening and sharing check out our website gameofbookspodcast.com where you can find links to all we talk about. And if you subscribe to our weekly newsletter, you can get those links sent directly to you, along with any exciting updates. We are also on Facebook and Twitter under at GOB Writers. And if you enjoyed this episode as much as we did, we would love to hear from you. And please subscribe to Game of Books wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our book club ideas and quirks and conversations with award-winning and best-selling authors. That's all for today's episode of Game of Books Podcast, where we share food, wine, and mystery every Friday morning, just in time for the weekend. This is Christy and Kathy saying thanks for listening. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody.